Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. God bless this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the School of Healing Virtual Wellness Center this morning. This is Pastor Lester and Sharon Page this morning. I welcome all you this morning to the School of Healing Virtual Wellness Center. We thank the Lord for another day that we can gather together in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to learn, to grow, you know, to mature, to, to have and receive revelations of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, especially, amen, in these areas where we are trying to build a future of optimal overall wellness in several areas that we've been looking at. And today we're going to return back to the area what happened there. But again, like I say, this is Pastor Lester Sharon Hayes. I want to welcome you all to the School of Healing Virtual Wellness Center this morning. And uh, thank God for being able to learn, to grow, to mature, and to have some revelations about how God views things, amen, and build that future of optimal overall wellness based on the instruction, based on the teaching uh, of the word, things that were written out for our learning, amen, that we may prove and demonstrate that we know God. You know, even in areas, amen, that uh, we don't often talk about a lot, but, you know, areas of, of physical wellness, financial wellness, spiritual wellness, uh, you know, emotional wellness, uh, financial wellness, occupational wellness, environmental wellness, and social wellness. And so today we're going to return back to the area of financial wellness, amen, because uh, I believe a lot of times, uh, you know, when we don't do things in any of those areas, according to God's word, it affects us emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and sometimes all, in all the other areas. But they impact each other. And so we're going to take a look on it back into the area of financial wellness this morning and just go a little further and learn some more things about what what God's got to say about, uh, about money and how it impacts us. Uh, we learned a lot the last time that we were on here at the School of Healing, uh, you know, and... Amen. And so we want to, we want to take a look, go back into the word and, uh, you know, take another look at, uh, you know, what the word has to say, because again, like we say, we, we want optimal overall wellness and it begins with how responsible we are to maintain, you know, what God, the lessons that God is teaching us. Amen. Uh, you know, when it comes down to these areas of choice, amen. And so anytime we neglect one of them, it has an impact, you know, uh, on uh, our bottom line. And, uh, you know, we know that one of the reasons why we look to the Word of God is because there's a lot of gain that's being gained in an ungodly way. And uh, we know that that's no gain at all. You know, riches, wealth, love of money, and accumulation of a lot of material things can have uh, a negative impact on our optimal wellness, which is what we are, you know, what we are striving for. It can cause temptation. It can cause, uh, leave a lot of people with a lot of want versus needs, focusing on their needs. Uh, and, and it can cause spiritual blindness. We know that the, the God of this world, which is money, we know we can't serve both masters. We can be to please and satisfy both of them. We don't love one and hate the other. But we know that that is the key, you know, to spiritual blindness. And so financial wellness is very important to our, our emotional state of mind, to our physical state of being, you know, because we need finances, uh, you know, to be able to pay bills, pay for things, you know, that you know that we need in life, some basic essentials, you know, and uh, we thank God. It, it's not so much uh, the money. Uh, a lot of people like to say the money is evil, but money is not. Money is like anything else. When you appropriately use it, 
it does have a spiritual benefit. Because you're showing God that I'm taking these things that you've given me, Lord, and I'm using them in a godly way. You know, and even if I accumulate them, I'm accumulating them, I'm earning them in a godly way. That way I feel at peace. You know, I don't feel like I stole nothing or robbed nobody. And so there's so many spiritual laws and principles that govern how we deal with money that has a lot to do with our state of mind. You know, there, there's a guilt complex when you know you don't got something the wrong way, especially when we are Christians and we rob God as a tithe and as offering. And now my finances get a little bit flaky and I'm thrown off. I feel guilty. You know, it, it, it does bother us and it does affect us. I can remember many, many times, man, when people in the church that we were, we were being raised up in would pay, they say pay, I'm, I paid my tithe. And for a long time, I didn't feel like, or I didn't trust that I had, I could pay them. And I felt really sick about that because we were using every penny we had living from paycheck to paycheck. So we were not very healthy financially. In other words, we were trying to find a place to hide because everybody else, man, was rushing up there with them men, fellas, man, when it came time to receive that offering, man. <clears throat> yeah, I was sitting out there, man, with a guilt complex, you know, man, and that thing wouldn't go away. I, I took it to work with me that Monday all through the week. And then my prayer started changing and saying, you know, Lord, I, I want to be able to give too. I want to be able to be a tither too. And before you know it, it happened. It happened. And the result was we had peace of mind as a result because we felt good now. Emotionally, spiritually, we had we had we were excited. There was joy. We 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 didn't mind getting up with everybody else went up there to put that envelope in. Man, we were happy to go up there and put our envelope in for the first time. So there is a health benefit. There is an emotional benefit. There's a spiritual benefit when you know you're doing something that pleases God, especially when you know you're no longer robbing God. That is a huge release of, 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 of good spiritual energy that flows through you when you know you did not rob God anymore. You know you heard the truth. Will a man rob God? And we start robbing God. And there's a lot of people right now, they're sick, they're uptight. And let me tell you how, let me tell you the sickness. There's a lot of times they want to go to church. But let me tell you how the enemy plays on their mind. All them folks want is money. And they'll stay away from the church, you know, because that's what's in their mind. And remember, we talk about emotional wellness. So that money, but not knowing what to do with money sometimes can cause, you know, some mental stress and anxiety. And let me tell you something. Sometimes I say I can't blame them people because when you got a church leadership that all their bodies aggressively begging, it makes people sick to the stomach. Now you've got a backlash going on about tithing in the ministry. You've got all these big-name ministers now making it even worse, making people sicker about not wanting to go to church because of the love of money. But see, if they would use the money the way God intended for the ministry, you know, people would be a lot more at peace. They would not be so suspect and so suspicious. sitting there holding on to the tithe Spiritually, I can grow and mature spiritually. And all you talking about is y'all don't give. Y'all need to do this. Y'all holding money. You know, all you talking about for 30 minutes of my time in church is money. Money, money, money. But you didn't teach me early on when I first came here. You hadn't had to teach me about the laws of tithing or giving. So, you know, I don't know. 
Because I know every Sunday since I got saved and joined the church, all y'all talk about is money, you know. And 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 obviously, before you know it, it starts to show what's in your heart. Because what's in your heart is, is, is what people get. That's going to come out. I don't care how long you try to fake it and keep it a secret. Eventually, if you love money, it's in your heart, it's going to come out. Because the Bible says, the bond of the heart, the mouth of the feet. And it begins to put people, man, in, a, in an emotional state of mind where they start hating the church. And they don't want to come to church. They don't want to invite nobody to church because they embarrassed that all y'all going to do is beg for money. So it's causing a lot of folks to go lacking. And so we're going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, God, you know, he has he has a way when it comes down to finances. And I'm going to echo again, and I want y'all to get this statement now. Love of money is not the same thing as the use of money. If you don't, if I don't teach you nothing else, I want you to nail that statement right there. I want you to write that statement down somewhere where, you, where every time money comes up, I don't care if it's with you or with somebody you're trying to talk to or that somebody might ask you a question about tithing and how to, you know, to give in the church. Just tell them, look, it's the love of money, not money. That's the root of all evil. You know, it tempts you, you know, it leaves you, it leaves you focusing on what you want versus what you need and it blinds you. It blinds you spiritually. It blinds you physically sometimes. And you can't see nothing there but money and what it can buy you and the material things you can have with it. But the, it's the love of money, not money. I hear too many people talking about money is evil. No, money is not evil. It's the love of money, you know. And that's not the same thing as the use of money. We're going to use money as long as we're in this capitalist system that we're in. But it's when we try to get it, in an ungodly way that we get, we feel guilty. We know we stole it. We know we cheated. You know, we know it wasn't right. You know, we know we lied. You know, ungodly gain. It's no gain at all. And so, you know, we don't want to condemn money. We want to condemn the love of money. And all Christians should do that. There should not be any question when it comes down to the love of money. It should be automatically condemned by every Christian. You know, because the word condemns it. He said the root of the love of money is the root of all evil. So God is, is telling us there, you know, so we should automatically condemn that. And we gave you a scripture out of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 10 of the King James Bible, that said the same thing. You know, and I'm not going to go back there, but we, we know that that's what the scriptures say. And um, so what does, what does that really mean? Uh, it's it said to mean that greed is the cause of a particular problem or a cause of society's problem in general. Because everybody out there now, man, want to make a lot of money. Cheating on real estate, you know, mm -hmm. trying to buy up all the communities, you know, just going to the bank foreclosure, just putting people out of their homes and all kind of stuff, all because they're driven by making more money. Greed kicks in, you know. And now they don't care about the impact it has on poor people or less fortunate people or people of, of, of color or, you know, immigrants and all that. They don't care. The bottom line is they don't care what, how they push those people into further poverty, you know, and then crime goes up and then, you know, you got an eyesore now you got to deal with and filth and, 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 you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's just horrible because of that love of money. Bottom line, they don't care. You know, the rich want to get richer. So leaving the poor, poor, that begins to, Bottom line, people get sicker. They can't afford Medicare. They can't go to the hospital. They just can't do anything to help themselves. And sometimes it drives people into homelessness, drives them into shelters. Now you get an outbreak of COVID or some type of other pandemic or virus, you know. And so it's very hard for, you know, for that love of money to lead to anything good. 
you know, and you use the money, but you don't want the poor people to use it. That's why you deny them and take take it from them. You overtax them, you overcharge them. You, you know, you it's crazy. You know, uh, but Jesus had a lot to say about money over in the Book of Philippians. Another scripture by way of review in the Book of Philippians, chapter four, verse nineteen, King James Bible says, "And my God shall supply." You know, all your need according to his rich and glory in Christ Jesus. And you know, a lot of people don't know that. And sometimes he uses money to do that, y'all. We live in a world where he says, Give Caesar here, the coins and all that, that belongs to that belongs to the to the manly system, the worldly system we live in. He said, I don't want that give give that to them. I just don't want you to take what belongs to me. That first fruit belongs to me. And it may not be money. Back in the day, man, they bought produce, they bought cattle, they bought, you know, they bought whatever they had to exchange. You know, because they knew that in the church or in the temple, the priests had to eat, you know. You know, there were people who came in there needing a handout. They had to have something on hand for them. And a lot of times they had a display right in the foyer when you would walk in these places with, with some of these items on there. And it was there for a reason, because it gave a visual picture of what had been set aside sacred unto the Lord. <laughs> holy unto the Lord. And you can just imagine the visual effect that had when people would come in that temple and see these things, the show bread, and, you know, see these things, man, on the table. And then nobody touched them. They respected them as being sacred because that's what was set aside to symbolize giving back to the Lord what belonged to him, that portion, you know, that portion. And then they had a system where they were sacrificed. They were burned, you know, I mean, they were burning, man, a whole lot of meat and stuff like that, but they had put, cut out a portion for the priest and for his family and whatnot. So all that was what was supposed to be done with, the, with what, what was taken in, what was given in. It was to provide for the ministry, anybody in the ministry. Today, man, you it's, it's only one or two people maybe being provided for the, 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 the leader and the first lady or, you know, there's no concern about the people in the ministry. And the people are sick. A lot of people are sick when they don't have to be. You know, they're, 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 they're so afraid that if I go to church and I don't have something to put in the offering, they're going to be looking at me and see me when offering time. They might call me out. So people now are taking money that they really don't have, you know, and they're trying to fit in and hide and blend in. And, and it puts them in a really precarious situation. And a lot of times it's just because we have not been taught how to be financially, you know, free and safe and, and well, you know. And so we just dog the people out when they don't give, putting them in an emotional state of mind where they really probably don't want to come back to church. <laughs> I've actually heard some of them cuss. All them so-and-so, you know, won't. It's my money. I ain't going, you know. But we need to let people know God will take care of us. He will. He will do that. When it comes down to our needs, He 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 is Jehovah Jireh. Okay, and uh, He has a lot to say over in the Book of Proverbs, chapter twenty-three, verse five of the King James Bible. He said, "Cast but a glance at riches. Don't stare at them. Don't get don't get focused so much on them that you just you know you just can't see nothing else. You know He tell you just cast a little glance. Okay, I got enough to do this. I got enough to do that. Let me pull God's portion out. And you got the tie. You know." Just glance at it. Don't don't dwell on it too long. Don't look at it of necessity and want. You know, purpose in your heart. And Bible says, so let a man give as you purpose in your heart. Okay, you ought to be purposing in your heart when you know you got money coming in. 
hey, the, the first fruit go to God, and 90%, okay, I'm going to give, uh, I can afford to give a, a, a small offering, and okay, I'm going to take this other 80%, and that's what I'm going to take care of my, my needs with. That's how you ought to be uh, purposing in your heart and get in a habit of doing that. It keeps you healthy. It keeps you emotionally sound. Every paycheck, you ought to be you ought to be purposing. You know the bottom line. You know what you got coming in. You ought to be purposing right away because you don't want it weighing on your heart and your mind. You're going to go to the church feeling guilty. Like, hey, you know, you, I hope they don't be begging for no money today because I didn't have my paycheck with the same thing. You shouldn't have to go through all that stress. But a lot of people are living their life right there. It's like they already expect them to beg for money. And they're carrying all that heavy weight and burden into the house of worship. They can't get into worship. They can't get into worship. And some of these churches, they done got real smart now. They take the offering up real quick, get them people money real quick. So that if it ain't right, they go back there and count it. They come back out. And before you get released that day, <coughs> they're going to take up another offering. Or they're going to slip that little note and say, the offering was down today. No problem. I'll take care of it. You know, and then sometimes people don't got so conditioned and so smart. We we think they're growing spiritually. Now what they've done is they know when to come to church now. They try to time it when the offering over. And they know when to leave. They know that they see that deacon bring that note and hand it to the pastor. Man, they some of them folks as soon as they're gonna get up and leave. They're gonna leave early. Throw their hand up with that finger and get out of there because they know they got to go. They know what's coming there. We, this is how we have trained people to be financially unhealthy, unstable, fearing money, you know, loving to hold on to it, you know. When all offerings should be given to the Lord, all, all the money should be used anyway. It's God's money. All of it belongs to him. Gold is out of silver's mind. But we put so much burden on people, you know, when it comes down to finances. And sadly, it's, 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 it's lack of teaching, you know. And God wants us to be well and healthy in all these areas. And uh, that's why he provides us with instruction, you know. And we gave you a word last time we talked called average, which is really what greed, what greed is. You know, that's an old uh, Greek Hebrew term that they use to describe money. <clears throat> and we won't go back into that. But I want to talk about a certain individual today as we as we move forward that uh, I found interesting. Some 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 very powerful lessons that we can learn from uh, this individual. Um, but, you know, culture has a view of money. We live in a culture, Pastor, where they have a certain view about money. And unfortunately, a lot of time, money takes a higher precedent in, their, in culture view than God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just hate to say it. And this is why a lot of times, because we place so much, uh, so much stock on money, more than we do on God, okay? God perspective on money is he too uses money okay to provide direction for our lives you know yeah he 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 he, he wants us to use money the same way he used money you know he uses it for, to give direction for our lives you know first of all he wants to please him first of all he wants to take care of the ministry provide for the ministry first of all he wants to help others and he understands the culture He's understood the culture from all the way back there. This is why we have to turn to him and trust him and do it his way. So that I'm not all out of, I'm not been all out of shape when it comes down to my money, which is his money. And so if he uses it, we ought to be interested in how he uses it. See if I'm kind of using it that way too, is to provide that direction. And most of the time it's through a lack of money that causes people to make mistakes. And you have to understand why, what is the connection between the lack of money 
and having money. Obviously, something is 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 is, is missing there, you know. And when God steers you into the direction uh, of how you can obtain aim uh, money, wealth, whatever His way, you don't have to worry about losing it. Okay. Some people lose heart, man. When they they they, they man, I, I I was sick. I had to take some sick days and all that. Well, hey, if you were trusting God before you got sick, don't stop trusting Him when you're sick. He gonna provide. He gonna provide. <coughs> when you look in the Book of Galatians, chapter six, verse nine, it says, "And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary." You know, so you have a little setback. This is why we always try to tell people, put something away for a rainy day. If you're working a job and you have income coming in, you should have a little savings because that rainy day will come to all of us. If not, then it's like you're living, you're living in advance of a lack of having enough. And we know that's not of God. When he wants to give us more than enough. But we have to be able to put something away for a rainy day. You know, because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. If not, look at what the scripture says here. You're going to grow weary. You know, instead of reaping, having enough to meet my obligations, I'm weary now because I, I lack enough. <clears throat> and he's telling us, man, use it the way God used it. Use it the way he intended for us to use it. He's showing us through his personal example. He said, give the seed to what's seed, but give to me what's mine. You know, that coin, because both, they got two sides. You know, part of it belongs to God. And we should always give God first. You know, don't ever put him behind anybody or put him second to money, you know. And so that that's how culture is. You know, they, they don't, we don't see things as a culture. Didn't back then, don't now. This is why we have, have these conversations because of what the scripture is teaching us. We grow weary. We lose heart, you know. It's in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9 of the King James Bible. Out of scripture, and so culture have some some strange views about money. Sometimes they they uh, <clears throat> define money uh, like uh, they put it in a category that it it, it it gets the same recognition as God. I had more money. Yeah, y'all know the language. If I had more money, and when it should be, if I had more God, I wouldn't have to worry about lack of money. You know. Uh, you know, it's a very strong accusation out there. When you, when I, I look back in history and I think about the Catholic Church, now when the cat, and I'm not picking on the Catholic Church. There's a lot of churches out there that are like this, and it, and this is not about them, but they're just as ignorant as anybody else that don't know how to use money. But the way they use money early on, and this is one of the most most uh, wealthiest churches on the planet, and have been that way ever since their establishment. And one of the things that made them so wealthy is I was looking back in history when they started and how did they become so prominent and so wealthy. Uh, there was a thesis that was written by Martin, Martin Luther back in, uh, they called the 95 Thesis. man was a scholar. They wanted to kill him back in, uh, I want to say it was in England. And uh, they burnt people at the stake for his teaching. But he gave us the book of Galatians. Uh, he wrote that book. He, 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 he wrote the King James Version of what we should have been learning. And you can read on uh, Martin Luther. That's where we get the, you know, the King James Version from. He translated it. But I like what he said about the Catholic Church. One of the things that, that one of the indictments on them was this, is that in the early ages of the Catholic Church, they would actually, part of their doctrine was, they would teach people that once your relative died, 
because most of the people that was in the Catholic Church to begin with, uh, because they grew so fast and they were so big and they had so much power and authority over people, <clears throat> you know, in England and different places and in, in Italy and different places in Rome, was because they had people brainwashed to think that if your loved one died, you can buy what is called indulgence, meaning that even though they died in sin, if you came to the priest and gave enough money, you can buy them a path into heaven. It was called indulgence. And they started selling it to people. And they started indoctrinating them and teaching them this. And Martin Luther said, no, that's wrong according to the scripture. This is why they wanted to kill him. And so he writes this 95 thesis, it's called. And it was it was a take on take take on the culture who is brainwashing people. And you know what? It's the same way today. They still do that today. People think that once they die in sin, and this is why a lot of them commit some of the stuff that they commit, you know, abusing young boys, young girls, because they don't think, they think that by, before I die, I'm just going to give a lot of my money to the Catholic Church and go to the priest and confess my sins and buy me some indulgence. They, they, don't, they don't teach tithes and offerings. <clears throat> they teach indulgence. You can buy indulgence. And that's why they're so wealthy and so powerful because they got a lot of people out there who want to buy, uh, you know, salvation, want to buy their entrance into heaven. And that's a sickness, y'all. That's a sickness. Those people think they financially well, but they're really not. And they're one of the wealthiest, you know, wealthiest ministries out there right now. They're the lo- one of the largest, <clears throat> you know. And so that's that's that was a, that was a cultural view of money back then. It's still the way today. And uh, you know, and, and 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 that view, man. People are thinking right now that the bottom line to get interest to get you into heaven, best sharing is how much money you give to the middle. There's a lot of folks like that. They're, they may not be Catholic. They're Christians like that. They feel like, hey, I'm going to go to this mega ministry. And when they ask me for a seed, they already got the seed, man. <laughs> they don't already set aside what they're going to give. Because they believe, man, it's sowing and reaping. They believe I'm going to sow that seed. So they think that's the link to their financial stability. You know? And they're they already prepared. Now, listen to this here. Listen, listen to how tricky this is. They're not saying I'm gonna set aside my tithe that belong to Jesus. They're saying I'm set aside my seed. I'm gonna sow. So they they set aside bill money, money for to, to meet obligations, and then it's seed money. You know, they don't tithe no more. They don't offer no more. When the scripture says, "Let a man purpose in his heart, so let him give." You know, not a necessity, not a want, not a lack, not a lack of. But God loves the cheerful giver. They're cheerful about giving. It's really a sickness. I, I, I don't care how happy you are if you're giving in opposition to the scripture. To me, that ain't no real, nothing to be happy about. But that's what people are being taught. It's coming to church, man, with seed money. Instead of God bringing God his tithe, he said, bring ye my tithe into the storehouse and prove me here with not everybody talking about seed money, seed time, and all that, taking it all out of out of point. But that's the culture that we, you know, that we've been we come up in, you know. And so it, it's it's that love of money that's the root of all evil, you know. And 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 a lot of it has to do with how culture uh, views money. So I want to talk about this individual before I close. <clears throat> Lord, laid him on my heart, and a lot of you probably know him. The name is Cornelius. A lot of times when we relate to Cornelius and his household, we think about him in terms of 
when Peter went there and ministered to his family in the book of Acts chapter, chapter 10, I think it is. But the Lord dropped something in my spirit about Cornelius. And uh, I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to talk about it. It's in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. 10, now you might say, what that got to do with, with financial wellness? Well, let's see. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. And one, listen to this now, that feared God with all of his house. So he was the leader. He feared God. Everybody in the house followed his lead, which gave much arms to the people. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is powerful here. He gave much arms to the people. And he prayed to God always. Now, those are two key things right there. Now, now he was not considered to be a Jew, okay? But he actually did more to please God than the actual chosen people of God. And it got God's attention. In other words, the man knew what to do with his money, with what God had given him. And the Bible said he gave much alms to the people. It wasn't, it wasn't the rich people. This wasn't the priest to try to buy some indulgence. This was the poor people. So he knew how to maintain his financial wellness in his whole house because he feared God. So he, some kind of way, miraculously, in his spirit, and I believe God put it there. First thing he did with what he had and what came in, he gave it to the people. Okay? And because he feared God in his heart, so he had he had he had the right, you know, heart mindset, you know, about what to do with the income, with the money. You know, and it impressed God. It impressed God. God was more impressed by what he did with what he had than what he had. Some people sometimes are impressed with what you got because they know if you got it, they can get it. But see, God was, was impressed with, with what was in his heart to do with what he had. In other words, this is an individual right here. He is he is more financially stable and well than, than, than the Jews who was God's chosen people. Why Peter didn't want to come fool with him. You know? And he goes on to say, um, you know, and, and so a lot of times it's not how much you have, it's what you're willing to do with what you have. Yes. One lady gave two pence and Lord, she, her gift was better than more than anybody else. Like more, you know, rich man, he didn't want to, I, I, what I got to do to have this power, this salvation. So I told him, say, you, you, you haven't, he said, but I've done all of that. I've done all the commandments. He said, but no, you have not sold everything. You haven't left, you haven't left. Family, mothers, brothers, sisters, you think you have. You kept the commandments you wanted to keep. You didn't keep all of them. In the book of uh, Matthew, the 10th chapter, the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, that, you know, everybody knows that. I got it here in my notes. We'll talk about it in a minute. But he walked away. You mean I got to go sell everything that I have inherited and give to the poor? Absolutely. If you want this power, okay, rich man. It's, it's, it's more, these are the people that see it's more difficult teaching his disciples for a rich man to get an ever for a camel to go to the avenue. Perfect uh, example there. 
And here is Cornelius ain't even supposed to be in this situation, but he is, okay? And he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. I like that. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, called him by name. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And that wasn't the Lord, but it was an angel. And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine arms, listen to this now, thy prayers and thy arms, you're given to the people, you're given to the poor, you're given out of your suffering, are what come up for a memorial before God. Now you have prominent Jews in that place, man. I'm talking about wealthy jokers, man. They ain't getting no, they didn't establish no memorial, man, to, to God with this. Anything, they wanted people to build a memorial to them. But look at the level, man, of importance that this man's prayers and his giving of his substance, of his money, had on the Lord. He called it a memorial unto God. Now, you think this man right now wasn't feeling wealthy? I mean, wasn't feeling healthy? Him and his whole family, that they were pleasing God. They were doing it God's way. And God's about to add some things to them. Wasn't even supposed to now. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't in the crowd. He wasn't he wasn't one of the, the up until this point chosen one, but now he's chosen by God to be that example to be Christ written in the Bible for our learning to see to see the impact, you know, of what we do with our money. He didn't love it so much, Pastor Chevin. He said, I mean, I'm give, give, give it away. No, let him go get them a job. And it said, you know, Cornelius, when he looked up, the angel spoke to him and he was afraid. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, fearing the Lord. And he prayed. And it says, and thine arms, thy prayers and thy arms will come up as a memorial unto the Lord. See, when you when you give what belongs to God and allow God to use what you have to, to be a blessing to someone else, God looked at it as a memorial according to this now. You know, before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, my Peter, whose surname is Peter, he longeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee that thou what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, here's the deal. See, when you do things God's way, it's amazing how you can clearly distinctly hear the voice of God. Yeah. It's amazing how, how well off you are that you're not going to try to say, well, maybe, or I can't, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not part of the clique, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. Man, this man said, hey, look, I, I, I love what I'm doing. I love the fact that God is pleased, but there's something else I, I need to learn about all this. And this is what I mean about taking people to the word and teaching them what the word says. The Bible says that when the Lord spoke to him, he gave him, called him by name and more, gave him specific instruction what to do, because the Lord knew Cornelius probably back here and they never heard nothing about no tithing. and never heard nothing about no offering. never heard nothing about no, about no giving. 
but he's doing it anyway. What a powerful example. But now the Lord is going to have Peter to come. And what impact is Peter coming going to have on this man in his household? They're getting ready now to know what they're doing spiritually so that they can now have spiritual wealth. He got the financial part of this. He's stable there. And it impressed God. He's praying and he's doing the things that are spiritual. But he don't understand how this financial state that he's in right here, doing what he's supposed to do, it was in his heart. Now God is going to bring it together. He's going to be financially well. He's going to be spiritually well because Peter's going to take care of that, his whole house, and his friends. So the whole community is getting ready to, 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 to be elevated, to be blessed spiritually because of this man's giving. It's going to bring the favor of God. It's a memorial. Because he gave arms. It wasn't the fact that he gave something to get something. But it was the fact that that was what was in his heart. And giving ought to be something that's in the heart. The Lord said, as you purpose in your heart, so let him give. This man purposed in his heart. Every time he got something, he feared God. He's the least likely candidate to fear God. Should have been automatic with the Jews. But here's this outsider man. He 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 he's been on the outside, outside looking at what's going on, and he's doing it the right way to please God. And it comes up to God as a memorial. From this day forward, every time we give or help somebody, we ought to see it in this light, and it ought to make us be so emotional. We we ought to be full of thanksgiving. The Lord, I was able to help that person. To God be the glory. I pray it be a memorial to you, Lord. See, this is how you maintain that that level of emotional wellness and spiritual wellness and financial wellness because it's not always about how much I gave, but it's about what's in my heart. Sometimes we have five dollars. We say, well, all I got is five dollars. I ain't going to give that. That ain't enough. You let God decide how much it is. He's looking at the heart. He's not looking at the amount. If two pence can get God's attention with a woman that's out there, then hey, <coughs> I'm pretty sure five dollars in this culture would, would get the same effect if it's given with the right spirit. But see, we're teaching people to give something to get something. <clears throat> that's what's wrong. They feel like I'm sowing this thousand dollar seed because the man told me God going to multiply me a hundredfold, a thousand. We crazy now. We done took it all out. We done added to it. It says some 30, 40, 60, 100 fold. Now we talking about 2,000 fold and 5,000 fold and all that. God going to bless you 10,000 fold. And people get excited and caught up in that stuff. The Bible said the news when he heard that angel, he thought it was the Lord talking to him. But the key is, man, it had such an impact on his mind and his spirit. He did exactly what he was instructed to do. He told them, serving them people, he said, because he knew Peter was probably going to be inquisitive because that's how Peter was. A Gentile, God speaking like this to a Gentile, want me to come? Them poor, them poor Gentiles, them poor people, they, they can't even buy me a, anything. And I'm going to them, you're right, the Lord told you to go. The man needed now to understand how what he was doing that came up to the Lord's memorial, how spiritually valuable that was. It impressed God. Anytime you're giving, anytime you're, you're, you're using the money and not in, so much in love with it until you can't see where you can do without it. I don't know what this man's financial status was, but I do know one thing. It didn't matter. 
Bible says he gave arms. You know, he gave arms to the people, meaning he gave arms to God. That's in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 8 of King James Bible. I could stay here all day and talk about the need and talk about this act right here. Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to Creating a Prayer Culture for God, Prayer Line Live Christian Podcast. We would like to send a special thank you to Anchor Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Podbean, Audible, Player.fm Podcast, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. These are platforms in which you can join in and listen to the message as it goes forth. We just want to thank God for allowing us to be able to share his good news. Uh, So please join us. And now let us get back to the message. God bless. You know, because man, I had... Yeah, I had me a ball and when I was reading this man and the Lord began to talk to me about Canute. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about him. But uh let me give you one more passage about him and then we're gonna end right here. It says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Fasting now, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine arm or had in remembrance in the sight of God. God, don't forget when you give. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, listen to this now, shall speak unto thee immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and that thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that thou art commanded thee of God. <laughs> tell us what we're doing. Tell us, tell us how this is spiritually impacting me and my family. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respect of person, <laughs> but in every nation, in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Now that's in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 30, verse 35, the King James Bible. Giving God's way, that's the work of righteousness. You're doing it where it pleased God. You're not robbing God of his tithe and offering. You're doing it because it's in your heart to do. You know. And Peter came and taught him this, that what he was doing was a spiritual act that pleases God. And his whole house got to hear this, and they were blessed as a result. And so we're going to end right there this morning. Hope you got something out of it. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this wonderful example of giving, Lord God, well before uh, we learn the spiritual implication, the spiritual value, the spiritual impact that it has on us, Lord God. Obviously, this man had observed from, from, from a distance the impact of giving. Obviously, there was something in his heart, Lord God. He had a good character, a good nature to be able to give arms to poor people. Obviously, Lord God, you... You had laid it in his heart. Obviously, Lord God, there are those today, Lord God, that can learn something from this man, can learn something, Lord God, that are bound right now, that are ignorant right now, God, and they're doing everything, God, but the right thing with their money. 
because God, they worship it as a God. You are concerned about the acts of God, what we do with what we have. And so, Father, we want to be able today, God, to be spiritually healthy, financially healthy, and healthy in every possible way that it might come up to you as a memorial, God. So now order our steps, Lord God. Order our steps. Help us to pull some lessons from this example of giving arms and praying to you, God. And having it in our heart to do the right thing as money comes in, God. Help us to be able to direct our giving, Lord God, where it makes a difference, oh God. That it be from the heart, Lord God, and not just from the pockets. That it will please you, God. Not the amount, God, but the condition of the heart when we release it, Lord God, to help someone, God. That it may be a, a established memorial to you, God, that we may go on and build a future of optimal overall wellness in the area of financial wellness. We thank you for this lesson today. We give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful name. We pray. Amen and amen. All right, then we'll praise the Lord. We're going to transition right into our comments. We'll start with Dr. Sharon. Amen. Follow by Pastor and Dr. Peter Sharon. Thank you. We praise the Lord. Give God glory for this beautiful day and the teaching of the word. And as our pastor continued to teach, talking about, you know, Brother Cornelius and uh, how he really follows his heart when it came to God. You know, uh, we see how he wasn't worried about what people said. He wasn't always trying to hear what the latest gospel gossip was but he was listening for god and that's why his king his ear the ear inside the heart and his conversation was lean toward listening for god and it was easy for him to follow god because he was familiar with him and sometimes that can become our problem when we're listening to too many other things and we're worried about what's going on over here what's going on over there we gotta settle ourselves and listen for god and i mean really give our hearts and our ears to it. But as Pastor was talking about him, this scripture came to me immediately, even before he started talking about the heart. The Lord laid it on because he unmuted his heart without even mentioning it at first. And in the book of 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, verse number 7 reads, But the Lord said unto Samuel, 